at the crossroads of fandom. This is Northwest Nerd bringing you news, entertainment, and the stories that make us nerds. And that includes ghost stories. I'm pop culture journalist Dyer Oxley. With me is associate producer and ensign Brandon Haddix. Hey there, Dyer. How's it going? Living the dream. Living the dream. Living the, the cold, dark days, dreams of October. It's kind of enjoyable, but yes, yes, I am. So I mentioned there before, uh, we bring you the stories that make us nerds. Yes, that includes ghost stories. It's an annual tradition here on Northwest Nerd. We have a brand new, a fresh, fresh off the plastic ear pods in microphone. What's fresh off a podcast thing, Brandon? I... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you were going for there. I, yeah, I it's actually like the fresh felt, off the presses, really fresh out of the oven. What, what's fresh, a fre- fresh off the Adobe? Fresh, yeah, fresh off the Adobe audition suite. I, I don't know, but that. <laughs> I feel like we're getting older and older. Fresh by just off our hot stuff. mics, a ghostly tale. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> from the Northwest on this special edition of Northwest Nerd. Okay. Brandon and I took a socially distanced trip out to Bremerton just a few weeks ago to get the bones of a story out there. Brandon took the helm of this story, so Brandon, what are we getting into? Well, Dyer, um, there is a old wooden tugboat that really inspired a lot of people to restore it and uh, basically make it a a, a unique place for history. But as they were doing so, there's a couple weird things that are happening on this boat, possibly some paranormal stuff. And and of course, there's a lot of stories here. So I'd love to uh, have you come aboard and let's jump right on into it. It generally gets pretty cold, deep in the lower decks of any boat you get on. But it's really cold here. I'm sitting in a chair in a small room of a 75-year-old wooden tugboat. It's 8pm, and it's October, so the light has pretty well gone over the horizon. (laughs) Not, Not that I can see it down here. To the left of me are two massive oil canisters, which carry the blood of the boat. There's a few batteries, which are about the size of your average coffee table. All the lights are off, except this little LED on a video camera pointed right at me. The only other thing in this room is a small electric thermometer, which is measuring the room's temperature while I ask questions into the dark. Well, the reason why we monitor temperature readings is uh, they do believe that uh, paranormal activity can manipulate temperature. That is Ross Allison, president and founder of A Ghost, the advanced ghost hunters of Seattle, Tacoma. And I'm on a ghost hunt with him. In fact, I'm the experiment right now. Ross wants to see if my presence will provoke any supernatural activity down here. And to really drive it home, I'm wearing an old pair of gray coveralls, like a worker on a boat. It's a trigger, which in the ghost hunting scene means anything that makes the entities feel more comfortable. Maybe they present themselves to you. If you're dealing with, you know, children, 
It's good to bring toys. You can lay toys out and get them to be engaging with the toys. Uh, you can play old time music. Uh, you can play out a scenario. So if you're like in a gambling hall, you could have some guys in at the table gambling. You know, get the environments more uh, familiar with them. Um, so in your situation, you know, you're on an old, you know, tugboat and uh, we decided to put you in some of those old overalls to kind of give the illusion that you're, you know, just somebody who works on the boat and you're hanging out there. Before Ross leaves the room, he sets up six small electromagnetic field detectors. These are little boxes with antennas sticking out of them. They're EMFs for short. If they sense anything in the electromagnetic field, a little blue light blinks. And I'm fixated on that blue light because it's blinking. And I, I think it's just me down here, but I might be wrong. At this point, it's about 65 degrees. I'm speaking into the air, asking questions, seeing if anyone will respond. If you're here with us, can you make your presence known? There's a couple little things around me. Um, if, you, if you're here, I would love for you to touch one of these little, little lights. Let me know that you're here. About four minutes into the experiment, I feel a warm sensation gliding across the right side of my face, as if someone is standing directly behind me and is cupping my ear. If there was somebody putting their hand right here on the back of my head, it's very light, um, very numb. It's very interesting. Now, there is a possibility that it's just cold enough to make my face feel numb, and, and that's fine. I really don't believe in the paranormal anyway, so the fact that I'm having this experience, I can play that off. The one thing I can't play off, however, is that the temperature's dropping. Fast. It just went from 65 degrees to 61 degrees in a matter of minutes. Temperature's dropped. Is that you? At the 10 minute mark, I have this feeling that something is standing in front of me, just to the left of those batteries I mentioned earlier. I just have this like, feeling like there's something just standing right here. And the way that the light, it makes it look like there's an arm. It doesn't make sense how he'd be standing there though. For the next five minutes, it's pretty quiet. There's no weird sounds outside of the slow dripping of the oil canisters. I do keep my eyes on where I think this presence is, and I notice now that the temperature is about 58 degrees. I'm still speaking into the air. That's when I notice the EMF detector is starting to blink and, and grow in intensity. Can you make it a little brighter for me? Just move, just move on by it. I see it's like flickering. There's a light, one of the light things up here. Yeah, exactly where I felt like there's somebody standing right there. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, baby. <laughs> so I begin asking it questions. I'll, I'll ask a question. The EMF detector grows in brightness, and then it shrinks and begins to flicker. So then I'll, I'll ask another question, and then it grows in brightness again. And it's at this point, I'm starting to realize it's responding to me. I, I start to feel a little weirded out, and I take this deep breath. And then... 
in the recording, we hear something. It's this weird swooshing sound, I guess is how I would describe it. It's right in between me breathing and asking a question. Are you a part of the you part of the ship here? To be clear, this sound isn't coming from me breathing. I do not move at all, so it's not the chair, and I don't hear it at the time we're doing the experiment. I hear it in the recording back. That's when Ross comes back into the room, and it's time to wrap up. And I'm left wondering, what the heck was that sound? The boat where this ghost hunt is taking place is the Dominion. You are on a piece of floating history is what you're on. This is Heather Rinker, volunteer and executive director of the Dominion Historical Workboat Association. This is a 75-year-old Mickey-class tugboat, and it was built in 1943 and launched in May of 1944. There was 61 of these made for the U.S. Army, 10 of which were made on the East Coast and 51 made here on the West Coast, anywhere from from Washington, Oregon, and California. Heather's grandfather was an engineer on this ship for many years, so it's a very personal experience for her. She's working alongside Captain and Founding Director Dave Clark to restore the Dominion to her former glory. When Captain Dave first purchased this boat about eight years ago, he knew the maritime industry was a hard place for women to get started, so he decided to do something about that. The, the original concept from the get-go uh, was this boat to return to being a festival boat, where it hit all the, the wooden boat festivals. Uh, it used to win the uh, historic uh, tugboat uh, races in the 90s. So it'll do things like that. Uh, so right now we're in a restoration phase. We're seven years into a 10-year restoration phase. Uh, once that restoration phase is done, uh, then we'll move into what our program is. And our program will be a women's maritime training uh, program. So women will come out of the trade schools and five of them will reside on the boat uh, for a year. During that year, the crew will attend these festivals and will host both public and private gatherings to teach people about the Dominion's history, as well as be a great venue for parties. However, with this effort to breathe new life into the Dominion, the captain and crew weren't able to ignore some of the eerie happenings on board. The boat was in crisis, really big crisis when I first got it, really big crisis, and a really big crisis. Have we covered that close enough? And so during that time, um, you could feel the activity of whatever it was was going on. And I was kind of in a hallway by the captain's, or the engineer's quarters. I saw kind of this figure sort of walk kind of through, through the, the walkway, and I was half in the walkway. So just kind of like through me sort of thing, you know. And, um, but because of this crisis, I, you know, hadn't slept in a while. I, I kind of attributed a lot to that. Um, and then Heather, uh, as she came on board, um, come to find out her grandfather 
uh, was friends with Henry Foss, one of the main figures of Foss Maritime. And so it would have been normal to have him on this boat as a Foss boat, as a, for, you know, there's many connections. But we didn't know who it was till years later when Heather started bringing pictures, and then I could recognize the person. You recognized who it was? Easily, yeah, yeah. Henry Foss. Oh, so you saw Henry Foss? He didn't know at the time until I brought pictures. And then when he saw that, he's like, wait a minute, that's the guy that walked walked through me and it's like are you serious <laughs> i was here on the boat uh painting the classroom one night and i was here alone i had motley crew playing on the radio because you know that's good painting music girls 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 <laughs> so as i'm painting i hear coming across the the fiddly uh, or the, the bridge it goes over the um the engine you when you walk over there you can tell what footsteps clank 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 and i heard it and i thought at first it was captain dave and i listened nothing so i'm painting more heard it again listen that you know all the doors are locked no one's here it's just me I thought, oh, okay the third time i heard it i looked over and walking from the port side to starboard side to go down towards the engine room I saw this figure, and it, he was wearing a dark navy, gray color, one piece overall, and had messy gray hair, but I couldn't see the face because the door frame blocked the profile. And like any normal girl, I put my paintbrush down, and I went down to the engine room because I thought, who's on here? And my first thing was like, oh, looks like Grandpa, but I thought, no, whatever. So I you know, went down, and I'm like, Grandpa, is that you? who's down here i go well grandpa if this is you hi and if you want to come hang out with me i'm just going to be painting and listening to motley crew <laughs> so come on up i had some friends that had meters and did you know did the ghost hunting thing and it was really active whatever those meters were picking up it was very active and you could literally kind of talk question and answers and get meters to read now what that meant you know i don't you'd have to interpret the meaning of the meters but those meters that they were doing were really active. And, um, and early on, we had down in the cruise quarters, but it's hard to get to. Um, down there, uh, all the women's technology stopped working one time. So little odd kind of occurrences like that. The men's technology kept going. And their stuff, you guys are Yeah, cameras, phones, everything. All the women's technology just stopped. And that would have been a place where women wouldn't have been allowed ever down in that area. You know, that would have been a very traditional this was a very man's world, you know, back in the days. During my time out at the Dominion, I ran into June Nixon. She's also with a ghost. And while she wasn't there for that experience that Dave just described, she actually experienced it herself. One of the things that happened, which was really, um, really interesting is down below, I went down there and I started taking pictures. All of a sudden, my camera battery just completely drained. My EMF detector, it completely drained. It was just like, what in the world? And then I hear a couple other women who went down there too, and it was only women that this happened to, so far as what I heard. When they went down, the same thing happened to them. Their camera battery completely drained. It was just like, wow. And that's why Ross and June with a ghost are out on the Dominion to begin with. They're setting up tests and measuring temperatures and EMFs. They're collecting data evidence they're ghost hunting so when i originally got involved in the field again i was drawn by that curiosity and most people that were involved in ghost hunting had had those experiences they grew up in haunted places so i was just envious of those people 
So then once I, you know, started getting involved, I started to realize, oh gosh, I'm the odd man out because, you know, everybody else has had these experiences, but not I. But then as you start to pursue this field and you find yourself in the kitchen a lot more times, then you're going to start having more experiences. And I actually found myself having those experiences and validating that there is something to this. I should probably mention that Ross has been in the ghost hunting scene for nearly 30 years. He has written multiple books on the subject, and he even gives lectures at colleges on Ghostology 101. And it's interesting because I was doing this long before um, there were television shows that are based on ghost hunting. A lot of them were just, you know, small documentaries that come out every so often. So it wasn't a big hype. In fact, you know, you didn't announce to people that you were a ghost hunter because if you did, most people would stay away from you. Nowadays, if you do, everybody wants to hang out with you like you're a rock star, you know? Yet, a night out ghost hunting with Ross feels less like Hollywood and more scientific. The one thing that frustrates me the most when you watch a lot of these television shows is whenever they have an experience, and I've always used the cold spot as an example, when somebody is standing in the middle of the room and says, oh my God, I feel a cold spot, and everybody else is like, oh, feeling around, like, yeah, I feel it too. They don't do a lot to validate that cold spot. And, and that's the biggest problem that we have in this field is there's not a lot of people that have gotten the worldwide attention that really understand the science behind collecting evidence. You know, it's great that people are experiencing that, but then you have to break it down. Like, what are they really experiencing? Is it a physical cold spot? Is it, you know, just uh, psychological? Because I'm telling you there's a cold spot. Now everybody else wants to feel that cold spot. Or is there really something being measured there? And that's where you have to start to bring the equipment. It's okay, somebody's having that that physical encounter of that cold spot. Well, now you gotta bring in a temperature reader, okay? Is there a physical cold spot there? Can you validate that, that temperature change? Well, that's great, now we got the validation of the temperature change. Well, maybe there's something else going on there. So let's see if there's EMF, an odd EMF reading as well. Let's get some thermal imaging and see if we can see what that cold spot looks like. So there's a lot of different things that you should be doing to try and narrow down what they're actually physically experiencing. Tools, like what we used when I was in that dark, cold room by myself, trying to rustle up some spirits. And I should say, honestly, this entire time I'm in this dark, cold room talking to ghosts, I, I never really feel creeped out. I mean, it's eerie, sure, but I'm not scared. And maybe there's a couple takes on this, because on the one hand, media has really pushed the idea that we should be afraid of this, you know, that whatever we're experiencing, anything odd, that it's out to harm us, you know, to, to, to kill us. And it, it's really not like that. Um, a lot of cases, it could be very tame. It's, there's a lot of phenomena out there where people would think that they'd be afraid of it, but there's, there is that calmness over you that, you know, wow, this is, you know, not really here to threaten me. And I do believe in that feeling, you know, that, that inner gut feeling that you have, you know, that fight or flight, because I think if you were really in danger, your gut would have told you, get out, you know? And so I think that's a, a very unique experience for you to, to witness something like that and, and not be afraid to, to run out of that room. And on the other. Being able to work 
and volunteer for an organization that encourages people in this uh, this line of work, and especially for women to come in here and do it, I I just think it's an, an honor and an opportunity and making Grandpa proud. So I really believe that he's, he comes by and he checks on me. And so that's, and I hear footsteps. You know, there's times where I'm here and it sounds like someone's down below just working and tinkering like Grandpa did in the shop. And as soon as I go down there, it's quiet. Come back up does it again so you know it's uh i believe there there's good ones here good spirits here and just kind of to give us a nudge and saying keep doing what you're doing There's a point in here that I really, really like, and that's this. We've, we've done a lot of ghost stories on Northwest Nerd before. Uh, we The very first one we, we did, we went out to Port Gamble, and we went to like the Walker Ames house, and we went with somebody who leads ghost tours, and he does, Peter Orbea, he does a lot of this stuff uh, with EMF readers and things like that. The thing that we've lacked in all the stories that we've done is we've never really gone into this ghost hunting aspect, and that's why I was glad you got Ross on here. I mean, he's been doing this for years and years and years. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, like he was doing it before it was cool. I mean, he was. He was writing books. He's been giving lectures, and he's kind of been on the scene. The stuff that we take for granted that we see in shows, and I even watched the show Supernatural, and they kind of cover sure. it there. Uh, Ross has been doing EMFs and temperature checks, and he had a lot more equipment when we were out there. He had some very impressive stuff uh, to look into. So. I was really fascinated to just see a peek into that world. It was it was very it was a little less woo woo as people would say, and it was a little more like okay, what's the facts? Um, anyway, having said that, I, I do want to ask you. You were very Molder. I was very Scully. You were very I want to believe, and I was just very nah. I okay, whatever. What what happened with you? Where, where did your mind sure. change? Did it did it open? Did something get in there? So I would say I would say that I, I don't know if my mind changed per se. I, I think to, to change my mind on a topic like that, it takes a lot. Um, I would say I am, like you said, we both came in and as I told Ross, I said, look, I don't believe in paranormal stuff. And I just want to be upfront about that. But I'm willing to give it a shot because I want I, I want to know. And so I'm interested in what you have to say on the matter of fact. And instead of just saying, yeah, let me show you some clips. He's like, no, instead I'm going to have you dress up and we're going to do an experiment. And that was really cool. Um, he's like, he said, basically, as, as he said in the piece, there's no way for a person to change their mind unless they've really experienced something. So I wouldn't say I've changed my mind, but I would say I'm very intrigued and I would say I'm very likely wanting to do more of this stuff in the future. Most of that stuff I can explain away. That audio clip, I don't know what it is, and I asked a bunch of friends on that. We don't know what that is. It's not coming from me. So what is it that's making that sound? It, I'm intrigued, and I, and I want to know more. So I'm sure I'll be reaching out to Ross again very soon to, to discuss more. This is definitely not this. the last time we've heard from him on this podcast. Yeah. I was going to say that he um, he's willing. 
to always put you in the seat too. So we'll we'll have to see if next time if you, you'll have so to that's have that experience. He said, he said to me specifically, like when we were talking with him about this and in, in, in places that he goes and investigates. I was like, well, what places do you like to go? And he's like, I want to bring you so I want to bring you someplace because I want to I want to actually show you something. And his whole thing is he realizes what people think, and and he and it's not like he there's no axes to grind on on either end here. It's just that sure. he's like, look. I know what I study. I know what I've seen and I've done. I want you to see that too. I want you to be able to go, oh, okay. This is what's going on out there, you know? Yeah. Having and said on that, the uh, on the other side, I also want to say really quickly, Heather and Dave were awesome to work with and talk with them about their experiences. And um, they have a lot of great stuff going on with them too. I was very intrigued about the history and where the Dominion is headed in the future. It was really cool. I'm glad you brought that up because the, the Dominion is technically a, a nonprofit organization. They uh, do have a variety of programs through there. And I, I look, I used to live on a boat and yes, you nothing did. like you this, nothing like this boat, but I understand the costs and everything involved in this boat has historic cost to it. And, and they do have quite a road ahead of them. Yeah, uh, they have they have, they have some they have some seas to sail to get this boat back up to ship shape condition. How many puns can I throw into that one? Um, but anyway, so you can donate to it if you can look up Dominion uh, Tug on the interwebs. It's there, um, and you, you could find out where where to donate and kind of get this piece of history up and going i want to say thank you so much to ross allison for helping us uh find this great location for the story and also if you want to go support ross highly recommend you check out his line of haunted books there is specifically one on ships and lighthouses and from what i understood the dominion is in that book so if you want to learn a little bit more about the story go check that out okay and with that said I'm going to say this has been a very special episode of Northwestern. It's our annual Halloween edition, the best holiday. You, you probably haven't heard me say that before if you listen to this podcast, but it is the best holiday <laughs> out of all the, of, of all the it's holidays. It's a great holiday. Uh, Northwest Nerds theme music is by the Hoot Hoots. Music on this episode was also done by Kevin McLeod. I want to make sure we give a special thanks to Ross Allison, Captain Dave, June Nixon and Heather Rinker and all the fine folks aboard the Dominion, living or not. <laughs> and, and a reminder, we are still in between seasons with Northwest Nerd, um, prepping up new stories and, and getting ready to do new interviews. So we will have plenty of more, plenty more things coming your way in the future. Um, but check in from time to time. See, you might hear some, uh, some, some old stories reemerging and, and, uh, here to tell you a little bit more about ghost stories or whatever. Yeah, watch the feed. And until next time, I'm Dyer Oxley. And I'm Brandon Haddix. With Northwest Nerd. Northwest Nerd.